I'm just looking at beautiful faces of people that we know, that we don't know, and <clears throat> Denise, are you here? Nisi, so good to see you, hun. I was looking for you. <laughs> You're so quiet. I am. Um, somebody's in. Denise is here and today. I hope you don't mind me raving about you. She used to look after our kids. And she made us the most beautiful curtains for Jordan. I remember when he was little, 27 years old. We still have them. We still have the doona that she made, which is like a coverlet thing. And it's going to go to Milo, the grandson. So there you go. So we've kept it that long and stitched it up because love makes an impact on you. And when people love you with their substance, with their gifts, with their hello, it, 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 means, <laughs> it means that it makes an impression on you and you care about that. Don't, don't you find the things that you get from somebody, it's like that you really care about, you want to hang on to. Well, guess what? You were given to God as a gift. And he really, really keeps everything about you. He's got you. He gets you. He gets you. Even if you feel right now that nobody else on the entire planet Earth gets you, he gets you. And, you know, I, we've, we've had an interesting journey. You know, some of you who know us from the past, it doesn't matter if you don't. It's really, it's fine. Okay? It's fine. Shucks. Um, uh, we have six children. We're in Sydney for about, we went Oz for longer than 22 years, but 22 years in Sydney, and we love it there. Um, Aussies are very naughty people. Very naughty. Like, they're just continuously joking and pulling your legs, so... I'd hoped it would have made me taller by now, but it hasn't. <clears throat> and uh, we have um, two of our kids are married, and we have one grandson. You might not want to know that stuff. That's like, you know, it, but it's, you know, we're real people. We don't have a tidy house all the time. Sometimes, mostly when people are coming to visit. And the house is superb, right? You squash everything in drawers and... Because you want to make a nice impression. Here's the thing, though. People never, ever go home going, man, that was a schmick home. They go away going, did you feel the love? Did you, did you come away with something? And I think, I've never left God's presence. Not that I've left it, but you know what I'm saying. You kind of come away from his presence without something. He's like a goodies God, even when his goodies are fixies. Even when he eclipses, you know, when he's, and he sharpsies and he goes, <laughs> and it's great because <clears throat> he's doing a beautiful new thing in all of us and we are a gift to him. So it's not like you're just indebted to him forever and there's this very unequal forever kind of longing after this God who's always slightly out of reach. <laughs> he's actually completely present and he has, if anything, he wants your attention. He wants you to know how attentive he already is. You know how we think God's not listening? God, have you got, ever lost my number? God has you. And I think that simple mind shift changes everything. That was my big game changer, is when I realized that all the pressure was on him. And <clears throat> when all the pressure was on him, then I realized I couldn't just sit there. 
Because like if he, if he was standing up when I came in, then I'm like, well, what, what are we doing now, God? I, I remember once, I was, probably my most encouraging, one of my most encouraging prophetic words I ever received was from Stephen Schultz, Steve Schultz, who runs Elijah List. Are you hearing the echo like I am? No, so it's just me. Okay, it's the voices in my head. Okay. Um, so, <clears throat> Steve Schultz was at a conference once and I'd gotten up and danced. And he said while he was watching me dance, he could see angels dancing too. And he thought, is she dancing because they are? Or are they dancing because she is? And so he asked the Lord. And he said to him, you can't tell, can you? And I want you to think about that for your own life. That you're waiting for God to do something or say something or be something when he is being something right now. So <clears throat> when you have to leave your home, I know for many of you, it's a big deal. You've got a lot of things you've got to do. You've got to lock up. You've got to go through a whole procedure, right? Yeah, I guess. Realities. So the thing is with God's house is you never leave it. Unfortunately, in the Western world, we have developed this, I say really unfortunate, and I own it myself, where the house is the church. <laughs> Sad, isn't it? But like, honestly, if God were suddenly to throw an invisible bomb that just bombed every church building on the planet, which actually, secretly, I wish he would. <laughs> it just would be the coolest, like, magician trick, right? And all those multi-million dollar things, expensive things, things with roof leak, stuff with sound, just gone. And nobody knows where to go. What do we do now? You'll find people congregating to the area and going, this is the church. Where, where, where is it? It was here. I know it was here. <laughs> Would leaders go, hang on, that's my sheep. I'm just counting. <laughs> well, guess what, people? It's called heaven. <laughs> that's exactly what heaven is. Because that's the heart of God. It's the heart of God. And I'm not anti many churches. Actually, I think we should have probably way more. I think, um, I think churches shrink because we don't actually release people to do what they're supposed to do. And I think that big centers, if they're really teaching and releasing people, I think they're fantastic. I'm not anti anything. Because, you know, I'm not anti. I don't believe in that. I'm not a doom spray. <laughs> no, we're not going there. I'm actually pro the body. And if God is in his body, I want to see it moving. That's my preoccupation. I'm a dancer and so... If I go into a store, my kids move away sometimes. The girls do. My son doesn't because he goes, go, mom. Come on. Ooh, yeah. Like, and, you know, because music in a dancer's body is like presence in a believer's body. It should move you. It should, like, have you watched people get full of the spirit and the drums are going and they're shaking? I assure you, they are shaking in time. Even if it's triplets. There is something musical going on because I think God is the ultimate musician. I don't think he was reading a script 
And he's going, Jesus, thanks for editing this. I'm going to create the world now. And he had to learn the lines. <laughs> there was so much light moving inside of him, busting to get out. It was just a matter of how. And so he graciously just released three words. Otherwise, he would have just blown. There would have been no eyebrows, no eyelashes anywhere. See, God is sound. He is full. He, it says that he fills everything in every way. And Christ is the actual image and radiant and radiance. In other words, he is the vibrating substance and outline and human form of who God is. And when he said, I'm going so that I can send one who's going to fill all of you, he was serious about that. He meant you can't do this without being full of this presence. So when God's presence comes into you, it isn't just like a nice feeling. It isn't just a, well, I'm glad God's with me and he's never gonna leave me and then you hope that he won't. You know, we hope for the best. Like, have you gone? You know, you wake up one morning, you go, you're still there, God? Like, I used to think like that. Now I'm just like, I'm so excited to see what, what we could get up to together. So it doesn't matter whether we're sick, whether we're not, it really doesn't matter because he's present. Whatever I'm lacking, he's got it. Whatever it is, he's got it. He has it because he has you. So the question is, how much of God can people hold and still be in church? Right? Because you can fill people up, but they're not always welcome. Because we, when we don't recognize the movement of God, it's, it's awkward, isn't it? Right? So, this isn't the dress rehearsal. This is the real thing. I don't want to get to the other side and go, oh, I thought this was the real thing and that was the dress rehearsal. And God says, no, 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 no. You're descending to the earth, Revelation 20, 21. You're descending to the earth as a bride dressed for her husband. That means that we have to get so full and so heavy that we can't stay in heaven. You're too heavy for that little cloud that you want to sit on and have a nice fluffy prayer life. I don't, have a prayer, I don't have a fluffy prayer life. People say, how do you cope with the life that you have? You don't try and cope anymore. You go, well, we forget about coping. Now we have to invade. Yes. Now it's invasion time. So God, invade my life, which means you, I can be awake at any time of the night. If I wake up in the night, I go, yes. You know, I don't even think I have to go to the bathroom. It's irrelevant. Of course I might need to go to the bathroom. But my first and foremost on my mind is, yes, you were saying? Is there something you're saying? You know, because that's, he's possessed you. So you're the best gift he's ever had. There's no other gift like you. Nobody looks like you. No one's got your wrapping. No one's got your kind of wrapping paper. You know, when we are loved by God... We love each other like that. And church looks different. 
church looks different because you see people. You don't see divisions. You don't see textures, tones, theologies. I don't go close to people and go, what's your theology? I want to see if I can sit next to you. I'm not sniffing for theology. I just want to know, like, do you love him yet? Because if you don't, you probably will after this. You know, he's contagious. He's, he's a virus that just never stops. And you understand what I'm saying. He's not a virus. Don't quote me. She said it's a virus. Oh my gosh, don't go there. It's terrible theology. If you are going to quote me, please don't put on a pink background. I don't really like pink backgrounds. <laughs> If you are going to misquote me, please, yeah, don't put florals. I mean, I love flowers out there, but not on backing, you know. I'm being silly. I'm being facetious. Um, Let me come back. So what God is building is very beautiful. He always had in mind to finish the job. He always had in mind when he said, it is finished, he said, right, you're going to receive power from on high. Wow, because we need him. You're going to receive power from on high, which is not going to stay on high. If it's coming from on high, it's coming down low. It's coming to get you. <laughs> he just got a he just got a hole there. He's coming to get you. <laughs> he's, he's <coughs> the miracle is how he fits in us without destroying us. Because he's powerful. He's powerful, right? I mean, you've got power to raise the dead, and we're still practicing. We, are, we honestly are. People call us. When people in the congregation have died, they call us. We're there, probably the first ones to the body, to see if we can raise them. And I think it's great that we practice and we keep doing it. I, I just wish we had access to morgues or places because I get happy at the thought that we could see God do something like that. And, and it's happening all over the world, by the way. I'm sure it's happening a lot here too. Um, but where was I going with that now? So, <coughs> pardon me. He's coming. He's come into us, and now there is a change in us. So when you are singing a song, you're not just singing a song. When you actually realize, hang on a moment, I am now singing a song with the Lord, that means that your song plus his song is going to make an impact. That means when you do your job plus God does your job through you, you're, you're making an impact in your work. It's way different. When you buy somebody lunch, that's not an ordinary lunch. That's God plus you buying them lunch. That has to have another impact. And people can feel that. So I feel like God is saying, expect a return for your money. Expect a return for your exchange. Expect a return. Don't just throw it and run. Make eye contact with people. Because when you're loved, you're not scared to make eye contact. You know, sometimes people go, I don't know what you see. Like, I just see you. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not. Do you know, the prophetic gift isn't to actually look into what people are doing. It isn't. Prophetic gift is actually to look into the heart of God, to bring out the treasure, and then to look in your heart to see where the matching treasure is. And then when we call that out, people go, oh, God is in this place. Right? And then when they lay like that, all the addiction stuff, depression, spirits just break off their lives. You don't have to call them out. 
Who on earth goes to the kitchen at night and calls the cockroaches? <laughs> Why would you do that? Speaking of which, this is just totally distraction, right? Because we, you know, we're allowed to be one distraction. We had a contest. We had a Viking. I call him Viking. He's a beautiful man, Magnus, from Sweden. And we had a contest. He came to visit for three months, so we thought, we're going to test the Vikings and if they're scared of huntsmen. So we said, we're going to have this contest on a spider. Oh, you're hunts you don't know what a huntsman is? A huntsman is like the biggest spider you don't want to bump into at night. It's like the size of your hand potential. Some of them are smaller, mercifully, but they don't... And also, mercifully, they don't usually get bigger than your hand. If I, I, mean, I might have a small hand. But <clears throat> so we said, we're going to have a contest to see if we can get on film, on like an iPhone, um, as one of those crawling on our arms. So we got to chasing them. And they don't want to come on your arm. They don't want, like, when you don't want to see them, they're everywhere. But since we started that, they vanished from our house. It's like word got around, you know. Guys, don't go there. They want to film us, like. Get out, get out. So they all disappeared. And the kids were like, what have you done? Have you had the place sprayed? Like, no, we just sent the word out. We wanted them to crawl on us, you know. They don't want to, apparently. But unbeknown to us, this Viking, Magnus, he goes outside, and I have reprimanded him afterwards. He finds another spider, not a huntsman, not a good one. And he goes, and he films the jolly thing, climbing up his arm, and apparently went down his back, down his shirt, and came out the other side. I said, Magnus, that's not a huntsman. That's a really bad one. <laughs> you don't want to do that. He goes, oh, well. Anyway, he won. He won the contest. <laughs> I'm so sad that the Swedish took over. I'm like, seriously, that Aussies have got to practice. Anyway, that was completely a distraction. What are we calling out? The treasure is actually what God has created you with. The treasure is what God has put inside of you. The treasure is what, what lights up in you when he marries you. So he's in you, and he's not escaping. He's not looking to leave, like he's not trying to get out of the engagement. He hasn't found fault with you. He's not trying to get out of this commitment. It's that he wants to know how much you actually want to partner with this marriage and how much you want to draw on his accounts. People go, I don't feel very spiritual today, so I'm not going to pray for the sick. Oh, that's right. It's all up to you. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Dang. No, actually, it's all up to you. Of course it is, because God can't step out of your body and say, step aside, you idiot. You know, let me at them. They're sick. You know, haven't I told you when people are sick, you're to lay hands on the sick? No, it's not like that. He's waiting for you, and you're waiting for him. So the waiting game can really be cut short today. Um, people always say, well, how do you know if it's really God, if it's God speaking to me? I know instantly because of one thing. If it makes me want to live long, it's God. If it makes me want to draw back, uh, anything that makes me draw back is not God. You know, people say to you, I didn't come and talk to you because I didn't feel like I could. Stop right there. Not all your feelings are God's. Not all your thoughts are God's. And so when you become a little more ruthless about how he thinks that other stuff's not going to hang around, 
We don't have to be perpetually insecure about who we are, you know? So it, really, if every believer believed this, the whole world will change in a very short space of time. So I just think, let's, let's go after two things. Let's go after believers and love them to health, and let's go after unbelievers and love them to health. It's really the same remedy, right? It's the same. It's the same, same. So let's come back to the picture. God pours out his spirit on a group of people. The Bible says in Acts 2 that um, in the old Jerusalem, that's he said, wait in Jerusalem. Like, why Jerusalem, right? Well, when you read in Revelation, it speaks about the new Jerusalem is descending, a city. Do you want me to read it to you, or you've got it in your Bibles? You all have Bibles? And you can page through and check. Revelation 20, 19, 20, 21, speak about what we're in right now, what's happening, right? By the way, the end of the book doesn't mean the end of the world. <laughs> Just thought I'd put that in there. <laughs> I used to think that if I really got revelation, Jesus was going to come back. I'm like, no, Jesus, I'm not going to read the end because once we finish the book and we've got it, you're coming back. Dang, I wanted to have more kids. Uh, you know, just could you hold off a little bit because we're not married. You know, young people think that. Like, we haven't had sex yet, Jesus. Please don't come back yet. <laughs> Is this on tape? It's on tape. Anyway, moving, moving quickly to the center of it all. <laughs> so, the end of the book is to actually show you where it all started, really. Because if you go to the end, you're back at the beginning. In the beginning, God created. At the end, he's, he's actually coming into creation in a brand new way. Now, I don't know if he's coming down once and for all, everyone's going to see him. I don't really care about all that right now, and that doesn't preoccupy me. Do you know? My kids are not transformed by knowing when we're going to die. Thank you. One person gets me. I like you. I want to I wanna find out who you are. Okay. Because you're getting it quick. She's smart. God, yeah, ooh. okay, let's come back. So, <clears throat> all that stuff, eschatology, all that, is all very good. But I just want to know what's changing me now. Because your theology is only good as your present state of being and your present state of effectiveness. You can have a perfect theology about everything, but if you're just an absolute irritable ball of fluff, what is the point? <laughs> you know? Does that mean I'm anti-teachers? Absolutely not. I just want teachers that are upside down and are being suspended to the earth from heaven. Because I'll tell you why. We can write our books, we can do our stuff, but God is transforming us. So sometimes we want to pull stuff back and go, ooh, <laughs> ooh. That wasn't the full picture, right? Even when we prophesy, we prophesy in part. Why? Because the picture is descending, and more people are adding to it. I see the value of a team that are on stage because I can see what they're doing. I go back to Sydney and it's a different team and it changes. And if we go somewhere else, that team changes because it's according to what is needed. I won't take Finton baby clothes shopping for our grandkids because he really hates that. That's not gonna be helpful, right? So God wants to look at what is expedient. He's not going to put a weird gift on you or something that you've never, ever wanted to do, 
But treasure is, he's awakening in me what I've always known is true. That's treasure. It's like God hits gold. And that's what we're called to be on the earth. That's what we're called to be. So Acts 2, the Holy Spirit falls on them. And the Bible says that they were just reeling around by the time they spilled out of that room. But they began to speak the wonders of God. Apart from having really hot heads, I'm guessing. Um, They must have felt the effect of fire, surely. But they began to, and I'm wondering if God just wasn't burning up the old way of thinking too. Just like, I'm coming with a whole new way of thinking. I'm coming with a whole new way of speaking and declaring. So if if we don't change the way we think and we declare, like if we just kept saying, the rand is going down. This country is coming to nothing. Well, that's all that will happen in your little life. But if you say, I am in this country positioned like a warrior that's going to transform every single day that I'm alive. And that means that if you are in the vehicle and you're driving, God's driving with you. And you can be wise and you can be wise as serpents and not be foolish and not drive in the wrong places. But I tell you what, you need to pity anyone who comes against you. Because God will be there. So, they begin to speak the wonders of God. And they spill out into this kind of marketplace where there are hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of different people groups that have come for the feasts. And they heard wonders in their own language. What does that tell me? That when what fills always spills. If it's not spilling, then what the heck is it? You know, it's got to be so full that it spills. If you're walking and you're not full, you won't spill. If you're carrying something that's full, you shake it and it just everywhere. So when you're full, you'll spill. And he spilled out onto all these other groups that said, we don't, this is amazing. Sometimes we think that just because people don't understand it at first, it can't be God. Well, if I don't understand it, it can't be God. Well, that's right, because you're bigger than God. Of course, he didn't think of that. Well, if I've never experienced it, this can't be God. Well, of course, he forgot to ask you. If I don't quite understand it, how can it be God? I know it's amazing, but it just might be. So they spilled out, and they changed the known world because the Spirit of God was with them. It says they declared the wonders of God. So we declare, we are a declaration to the realms, not only to people that don't know him, but to the realms of darkness. You know, they watch how you live. They want to know. And so, you know, what are powers, principalities, rulers? There are establishments in areas that have had enough agreement in an area to remain there. If you're in an area where there's been bombardment of, of pain and affliction, and you agree with it, then it will remain there. If you don't agree, it has to go. Um, I remember the, uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, a spirit came to visit. I haven't had it for a long time. He's standing next to me. And he's cold as cold as heck. I couldn't move for a long time. And then he just, he just said one thing. He just said, you can keep your people Just don't come get mine. I thought about that. I couldn't move. I just thought, 
Hang on a minute. You don't have any people. <laughs> like, they're all paid for. So, am I saying they're all saved? No, 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 no. They just don't know they're paid for. <laughs> they're just walking on borrowed time, but they're paid for. So, so you wake up at any hour, you've been paid for, your whole place has been paid for, forever. He's paid up all your emotional bills up front. You can't possibly be too much for God. You don't have to apologize that you have the same problem. You can say, help me change. Help me change, God. Help me change the way I think. I want to think the way you think. Because that's going to be my game changer, right? So I look at the early church and I go, okay, there was a lot of stuff that went whack and that went west, went odd. But there was a lot of good stuff. And people were doing signs and wonders all the time. People were also hiding because there was persecution starting. So you see, we look at the planet, we go, it's getting worse. It's getting terrible. No, no. Evil has increased because there are more people now. So there's more capacity. There's more agreement for those that get together and go, let's, let's bomb places, you know, let's do harm. However, it doesn't mean that God's plan has changed. Because you can take a handful of people, like he did in the early church, and they turned the known world upside down. That's extraordinary. So what if this room could change the whole of Gauteng area, the whole demographic? What if just this room? Just imagine. I do that with people. Our workshops are full of imagination. People go, how do I know my imagination is not just my imagination? I go, listen, I invited God on the scene so long ago. We're so happy together. There's no way my imagination is going to do it alone. I'm not going to sit and imagine by myself. That's way too boring. It's boring as heck. I don't want to be left with my own brain. I want his imagination with me. So do you know what I mean? So I practice. You've got to practice this stuff. So if you, if you want to practice at home, go, God, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a son of God. What does that look like? Why well, research? And I've got to wait for Sunday for the teacher to teach me. No, just read the Blessed Bibles right there for you. Look. The sons of God, what do they look like? Oh my gosh, they're like the sons of thunder. What does thunder mean? Oh, they were, they were bad boys. No, they weren't. It was a compliment. Sons of thunder meant they were decreeing. Sons of thunder means they were first sons of light. They got it. That, they were so bright that they thought, we're such good guys, he's going to want one of us on each side. <laughs> do you understand to where you have to really fight the sense of being and feeling like God, to where you have to tell people like Paul, don't worship me. Why do you think you will go through such hard trials? You know, we pray, we get people to pray for us. Pray for me because I'm going through such a hard time. We should all be going through hard times. We should all be praying for each other because we're all going through blessed hard times. Why are we going through hard times? Because we live in a certain area? No. Australia is a beautiful place. You can get your driver's license as you wait. It's instant. It's fantastic. Is there trouble there? Heck yes. Lots of it. Lots of intense trouble. 
like spirits visiting you saying, don't take my people. Opposition, all kinds of things. We have that too. So why are we going to go through trials? Why do we go through painful trials? Because the outside realm recognizes what's on your inside and it's just a matter of who's going to come out first. (laughs) Do Do you want to come out? So last night, what we're experiencing in the new song is we've practiced imagining with God. We're musicians, so this is going to translate differently for some of you who are not musicians. But try and apply this to what you do, right? Is this okay? You good? The subject. I am talking about... (laughs) He loves the title, and it's good. Because maybe you think I'm going nowhere, but I am very intentional. What's happening is that what what has come down from heaven has come inside of you. And I'm after what's going to happen now. Because if it just stays there, there will be no transformation. So if I'm a musician and I say, thank you, Lord, for Holy Spirit, I'm just going to practice my scales. And I'm just practicing scales, then it's just me and the piano. But if I say, Holy Spirit, come and inhabit these praises. And he says, switch the light off. Let's play in the dark. Why? Well, I just want you to know what it's like to pray in darkness. Okay, switch the lights off. That was my introduction to piano lessons with Holy Spirit because I never trained. So, okay, we're going to practice in the dark. Did I practice? Heck yes, I practiced. Well, what was more important for me was what I experienced in that, that he inhabited the sound. And he said, you know when you feel that? This is the scripture here. I want you to meditate on what's coming from my heart. I began to meditate, like lovers on the throne, I began to meditate on that scripture where it says that he inhabits the praises of his people and that he's enthroned in the praises of his people. So I questioned him about it because he loves questioning people. He does, he loves it. Ask me questions, kids chat. Ask me a difficult question. And I said, how, how do you actually do that? What does it look like when you are enthroned? He goes, well, I am love. So wherever I deposit, wherever you allow my love to be deposited strongly, I will make a throne there and people will feel the weight of my presence, right? So what is that now? I'm not just reading a scripture going, well, that was a nice scripture for me because I'm thinking, how can that scripture impact what I'm doing? Okay, I'm a songwriter. I'm going to write songs that when people come and they're tired and they're weary and they come together, they look at that and they go, oh, I knew that was true, but now it feels true as well. And now I can experience it and I can imagine it. Why? Because God has inhabited my song when I was with him for 15 hours. He inhabited that. So now if you put me on the piano and you squeeze me, you will feel what he has been with me. That's the treasure. That's who I've always been, right? That's the treasure. So how does that translate to your life? See, we want, God wants to squeeze you. And when the enemy squeezes you first, God says, hey. <laughs> so I always say, God, I am in trouble right now. I feel like there's pressure against me. Put more pressure now. Come and, come and inhabit this pressure. Because when you get in the middle of it, it's mayhem. 
Because like the enemy is like, yeah, I got this, I got this. Hang on a moment, who's in charge? Yeah. I guess I'll just go, you know. Do you understand? We just think the enemies are so powerful and they're towering over you and they're like, ah. Well, he's, they're not actually. They're only as great as your attention is. So people get terribly nervous sometimes, not here, of course, when you talk about angels, because they go, oh, we've got to be careful that people have, don't worship angels. Like, we've worshipped demons for decades. <laughs> we've gone, look, there's Buddha. We don't go near that. We don't go near the oranges. Don't, it's bad. Everything's bad. Don't go in the temples. It's a bad area because they're bad. They're evil things and they're strong. They're powerful. <laughs> you know? Instead of meditating on the God who actually took over, one act on the cross did it. But it wasn't for all time. It was he did it, but now he wants to remind the enemy every day through every single one of you what he's done. That is the greater work. It's even greater because you weren't born God. Do you understand? That's a big deal. None of you were born God. None of you, not one of us. You were all born and you're already fallen. You needed Christ, right? And so Satan's watching that. He's going, what are you going to do with these guys? Yeah, what are you going to do with these guys? Yeah, I mean, they just, you know, they're just, they're just the fringy ends. They've just, you know, they've had drunken parents. They've had a really bad background, bad background. Do you know the bad background people? I don't know, I'm hooking up somewhere. Yeah. They've got, you know, they don't have enough money. They're never going to meet. Listen, do you think God needs your money? God wants your whole body. Never mind your money. Your money is just paper and stuff and coins. Do you mind unhooking me? Thanks, hon. It's just like I get hooked up. I, when I hug men with beards, it's so embarrassing because it's like Velcro. <laughs> it looks like I'm seriously trying to flirt. I'm like <laughs> extracting myself from people's beards. It's really, it's like <laughs> Sorry for the graphics. We what we'll be talking about. I'm on the topic, honey. It's heaven coming to earth. So he gives me the BDI. We weren't born God. Satan is watching to see what God can do through you. Why don't you just prove Satan wrong? You can just say, actually, I believe God. It's so simple. You say, I believe. Actually, you know what? I'm just going to believe. You don't have to feel like believing. You don't have to actually think it's going to be true. People go, well, you could be deluded. And I say, well, I'm the happiest deluded person I've ever met. <laughs> really, I'm like, this is working for me. This delusion thing is amazing. Like, it's all in your head. It's just a crutch. Man, if I'm walking with this crutch, everyone should have it. <laughs> so God in us. God through us. He created a shape called the temple, a place where the, his presence could be hidden and kept for a time. He wasn't hiding from us. He was preserving our lives because had that been let loose, we would have all been destroyed because we were not born God. But when you're born again, he comes out with you. And when you're with him, well, you can, you can eat this heavy juice. You can drink the heavy stuff. 
you can be filled with all knowledge and glory. You can be humble enough to listen and learn. Teachers will get together and actually discuss scriptures and find out what, what is God saying. City elders will get together and they'll go, man, we're, we're protecting this whole city. Imagine that. And all of hell cries, no. Keep those little divisions and insecurities and little theological posts. And God says, I always wanted a body. He wants to embody his presence on the earth. When you sit next to somebody, God sits next to somebody. I know you know that. I'm kind of drilling it home because I believe that we're experiencing something very different in these days. I believe that there is an urgency in every nation I see it in every nation. Don't think the U.S. is having it at good times. It's tough. There's stuff happening everywhere. You know, you, our kids even say, well, when is Jesus coming back? There's wars, rumors of wars, droughts, famine. You know, how close is it? I'm like, I don't know. I kind of think the more active we become, the more real this gospel is, the more we actually dispense his presence. Do you know when you just smile at somebody, God smiles at them. I've smiled at hundreds of people since I arrived in South Africa. And my sister was with me in Cape Town. She said, hey, why do people just smile at you? I'm like, no, no, I smile first. If you believe God loves them first, smile at them first. Even if they look angry. Even if they're covered up. Look deep into those eyes and smile because God is smiling right into that soul. And they'll go, I know that presence. He came to me in a dream. I recognize that. You don't know what your life is doing. I think for everybody, it's going to be like birthday, Christmas, Easter, everything. When you get to heaven, you go, I didn't know. I was so effective. I thought I was being an idiot, but look. That's for the low grade. What happens when you're in high grade and you actually believe the stuff and you're partnering? Oh, my gosh. What could we get up to? What could we get up to people? I believe that happy people create happy atmospheres. Whole people create whole atmospheres. Wherever you see division, fighting, factions, it's coming from a realm that is recreating it, people. Let me tell you another little secret. If you're a Christian and you partner with unhelpful stuff, what you release is even more powerful than what Satan releases. It just is. Hmm. Why is that? Because all authority has been given to you. So you can actually annihilate people much quicker. You know how you, you know when people say, well, when you said that to me, that really cut me, and you go, I didn't say that. I've learned to say very easily now when people say to me, you know, I, when you said that or when that happened, I felt this, I go, I am so sorry you felt like that. Because that's actually framing the fact that you are a powerful person and that you have had an effect on somebody. Don't deny your effect on people. Because what you give them is the permission to feel as strongly as they feel. And you know what we do in Christian circles? We want to nuke everything. We don't want to go to the insecure places where you feel. Because if you feel then we deny the feelings, but then you can't make a massive impact. God is actually highly emotional. 
He's not volatile. He's highly emotional. He feels very deeply. He's ecstatically happy. He's phenomenally just. Incredibly powerful. Everything he does, he does to the extreme. So why do we want to talk about the habitation of God? Because this extreme God is having an extreme effect on us. It has to. It has to make me extremely more like him. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. Well, it's a matter, I know what you're saying. So, yeah, so I'm going to repeat the question. So this gentleman is asking, you know, when you go into a place and you sense a stronghold, but the people don't want to be free, or they're not aware of it, how do you approach that? I think it's according to mission. Like, I don't have to go into every area and change the whole area. But I'm looking for a sign of something and somebody that's moving. Do you understand? So I'm looking for what, last night, I'm looking at who's, who's responding to God. Where is God's, you know that thing that we're seeing, arise, shine? He's, a, he's shining and arising in something. In some situations you're going to, it's just in you. But if you take on a burden of, I now have to change this entire situation, then you'll become extremely weighed down. And that's a false responsibility. Leaders get into this really quickly because they think they have to change everybody's world. Do you know what I mean? Teachers get like this. They feel terribly unjust that everyone's going to their, but we're not gods. You know, we're actually just moving with God. That's different. God can cope with all that pressure. I'll, I'll try and answer it this way. I'll try and answer it in a in several different ways. Let's try this. I asked the Lord once, I said, God, how do you cope looking at the whole world and you see everything that's happening simultaneously, every evil thing, every unjust thing, every debauched thing. How do you cope with all that and yet your love? He said, well, he said, love is greater than knowledge. He says, I am love. I am not knowledge. So I, you might know something is on, but love is greater than what's going on. Your job isn't to destroy a stronghold. Your job is to go in and release love. When you do that, it's up to people. How do they respond? And if they don't respond, you just, you just clean your feet on the mat and you just keep walking. You're free. I think the, the thing we don't want to do is fix our eyes on the problem. Because the, the, whatever we fix our eyes on looms large. So if you're in an area, you go into an area, it's dark, there's violence, there's terror on every side. If that's what you see, and that fills your frame of your mind, then that's what you'll reproduce. So we have to, that's why worship is so important. When we got to Sydney, we became very aware of sexual immorality, mammon, the love of money. We became aware of... <coughs> The whole pedophile thing happening in Australia was very prevalent at the time. Every week there was something else being exposed. It was heartbreaking. And so we preoccupied ourselves with suicide. There were a lot of suicides. We have the highest suicide rate of youth suicide in the world, in a country that's meant to be the lucky country. It doesn't sound like a lucky country to me. So we have everything materially, but terrible spiritual poverty. And so for the first two years, we were very 
aware of that. And we'd come out of a culture in Pinetown where we used to pull things down. We'd pull down all sorts of things with seeming impunity because it, it didn't affect us. We were ha happily seeing revival in Pinetown before we went to Sydney. Except in Sydney, it did come down on us. Everything we pulled down came down. Depression. <laughs> really, it, it affected us. We became more and more weighed down by what we were seeing because we were more, more focused on what the problems were than what God was. And I won't go into how we, he, he changed our minds, but we, we had to change our minds. And that, that scripture that teaches about pulling down strongholds has nothing to do with powers and rulers. If you look at the context, it's to do with the strongholds in your own mind that need to come down. <laughs> it's taking every thought captive, not taking principalities captive, taking thoughts captive, your thoughts. And the, only way to take, the best way to take your thoughts captive is to think higher thoughts, you know? And so we made worship our priority, and we made Jesus our priority. And, and we, we said, church, sorry that we've taken on the burden of this nation and the city of Sydney, which is a, has a lot of evil in it. And if you walk around, you'll see the evil on every corner. You could do the same in Johannesburg. You can see evil on every corner if you're looking for it. <laughs> or you could see hope on every corner. And you can see life on every corner. You can see the potential on every corner where there's darkness. Because darkness is just the absence of light. And so we said, Lord, we're going to have the Lord's Prayer as our prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. You could spend an hour on that. Hallowed be your name. Jehovah Sid Kenu. Jehovah Rapha. The Lord's our healer. The Lord's our provider. The Lord is our righteousness. The Lord is, our, is present. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. It's all his provision and his power and his name and his magnificence and his wonders. And at the very end, deliver us from evil. You see where, where evil comes in? At the very end. As an afterthought almost. And Lord, quite a lot of evil in the land. If you could deliver us, that would be great. I'm not fixed on evil. I don't fix my eyes on evil. I don't fix my eyes on division. I don't fix my eyes on what the problem is. I fix my eyes on the solution. I fix my eyes on Jesus. He's the author and he's the finisher of my faith. And he loves the church. And I love the church. When I drive past a church, a big church, a small church, I say, thank you, Lord, for the church. When I drive past Hillsong, I, say, every, I often drive past it. I say, Lord, thank you for Hillsong. Oh, thank you for Hillsong, Lord. Doing such an awesome job. I drive past the Catholic Church. I say, Lord, bless the Catholics. They're going through a hard time right now in Australia. Bless the Catholics. I've got priests that are friends. I've got you know, people in our community that are Catholic that I love them to bits. And they know it because I'm part of the solution. I'm not part of the problem. I'm not, I'm not part of the critical, the, 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 the people who easily criticize the body of Christ. I'm not one of them because the body of Christ is the bride of Christ. And I would hate someone to criticize my bride. It's the wife of my youth. And I don't think Jesus appreciates us criticizing his bride. Come on, that's a good word. I'm literally going to finish with two visions. Is that all right? Because we, you all need to have tea, go to the bathroom. Does that help you? I'm happy to chat, I'm happy to chat to you over tea if you want. Um, should I sit in the middle? Just two visions. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have to be central. It's OCD behavior. In the center of it all. Oh, my gosh. Um, 
So it really bothers me that this, the watch is not central. It's like, it's off. It's like, why? Okay, I'm kidding. Just messing with you. Can you see me? Are you all right? I just, I'm just my legs. Um, so just to end off with two visions, because I know Finn's going to get up the next session and, um, and speak about the bride. Um, and I think I'll be up tonight just speaking on just, I'll be speaking on different kinds of encounters tonight. Um, teaching you from, just really quickly, we'll just go through encounters. But why I wanted to end with this one, maybe just, I don't think I'll get to the second one, maybe just this last one, is uh, we were in worship a few months ago. I didn't know what God was going to do. We just came to the end of the song and we couldn't get off this particular song. And all I know is that <clears throat> while I'm playing, the floor disappeared the band disappeared, um, and I was suspended in a place that didn't look like there was any ground, any walls, nothing. Um, I began to shake violently. I mean, I, some, obviously I was getting filled with the spirit. I began to shake violently, and I fell to the ground, and I shook there for a while, and I was completely overwhelmed. Because as I went down to the ground, I was catapulted into this place with all these people walking in heaven, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. And you couldn't tell, it was really hard to see the outlines of people because they were so transparent that they were walking through each other. It wasn't like a ghost town, it was like, it was transparent gold, it was like luminous. People were just moving through each other. And I heard the Lord say, there is no male, there is no female, there is no Greek, there is no Jew. There is... There is no difference. You couldn't see color because there was no such thing as skin color. Everyone was luminous. You just, I began to sob. I was so overwhelmed. And I just said, Lord, possess me with what you're showing me. Um, I'm telling you this for a reason because I believe that when we allow encounters of God to possess us and to change the way we think, it changes the way we are. So I'm gonna, I do have to tell you the second one because it affects me. So I'm of Jewish, Jewish descent. Uh, we've now verified it, and we, you know, it's nice hanging out with your parents and you ask them the real questions. Um, and illegitimate, we were, my great-grandfather was the illegitimate son of a Jew. And um, so we've got Jewish background, and I always wondered why. I've always had this affinity and love for the Jewish people. And in this encounter that I went into about a, ooh, two weeks ago, I was anointed with prayer by a great leader, and he just said, I just want to impart a blessing to you. And I just, for about an hour and a half, I was completely out of it. And in the Lord's presence, I went into this place where it was like rock pools, and the water was beautiful, and these people were kneeling down by the water. It was kind of like a really gentle place. They were washing things, and they were laying things out on the, on the rocks. I said, Lord, who are these people? And they turned around, and they spoke to me. They said, oh, we're from the Auschwitz. We're the believers. And he says, look, there's so many of us. And he goes, and look over there. Those were the soldiers that put us in the chambers. Those, there they are, and they got saved too. They've come into the kingdom. And they were all in the same place. And then the hand of the Lord just came in front of me, and he took the swastika, you know the swastika? <coughs> and he broke it apart into six pieces. And in front of me, he reconstructed the Star of David. And he said, I always win. (laughs) 
isn't there. Come on. Whoa. I feel the Lord wants us to end this session with just a, a release of life and love to us this morning. We've received so much in the worship. We received a lot last night, and I'd love us actually to have some testimonies before I minister the next session, because we came to, to bless you. We came to let the oil of heaven release you. Arise and shine is the, is the, is the, the, the phrase that God has for us, because he's making his bride beautiful. And he's giving us permission to be ourselves. And he's releasing us from things that have held us captive. Whether it's mindsets, whether it's words of curse, whether it's limitations, whether it's disappointment, whether it's pain. If you haven't been through pain yet, it can be arranged. tremendous pain in leadership, in family things that have gone wrong, things that you think would go this way, it went that way, it went south. It wasn't even things that we necessarily did wrong. It just happens. Stuff happens in life. Amen? Shift happens. But it's how you process that pain. It's how you let God into those secret places. Because pain doesn't define me. We've had, you know, crashes. Not literal crashes, but things have clashed. And people have left. And people have come. And people have said things. But whatever's been said doesn't define us. God defines us. God defines us. We're still sons. He's still proud of us. We're standing. We're here today. Amen. We're all here in the presence of God. We're still learning. A couple of gray hairs like me, someone with no hair. We're still standing. We still love God. We're still eager. I'm 57. I'm still eager for what God's doing. I haven't become an old fuddy daddy remembering what God used to do. I'm still eager to see what God is doing. I still want to be part of that. I am part of it. <laughs> Just keep up if you can. You know? <laughs> so I want to release a prayer to you. If you felt hurt or defined or mis- mis- misjudged or disappointed, because when Izzy said that word about heaven, where there was neither male nor female, no white or black. No olders and youngers. It wasn't we weren't defined by what we define each other. Wealthy and poor and haves and the have nots and the blacks and the whites. God doesn't define us like that. So if you need a release from something that's defined you, that might have restricted you, I'd like to pray a prayer that would shatter that this morning. So we can come from heaven's perspective. Because I'm not I can't wait for heaven. To feel the golden transparency of God. I need it now. Heaven is no opposition there. <laughs> I don't need heaven 
I need heaven now. I don't, I don't, I won't need heaven when I'm in heaven. That was good. I need it now. I need something to define me, to release me, to equip me, to, to enlarge me, that I can enjoy it now. I need heaven now. So if that's you, if you need some, if something needs to shift off your life today, just stand. And it'll be, it, as I'm saying it, you know what it is. Some things defined you, some things confined you. Some things defined you or something has confined you. And there's a release. Because visions release. Visions are not for information. They bring power. They bring glory. So just hold your palms towards heaven. Just your palms out towards heaven. Like you're receiving a gift. So I thank you, Father, today that you release your sons and daughters. Those who've been held captive by mentalities, principalities, maybe condemnation. Maybe things that you feel that you have done wrong. And you need to forgive yourself. One or two people here need to, to forgive yourself because you made a bad call. And you've allowed that to, to captive you. You've, you've felt you're not qualified to be a free agent. To be someone who has authority and power because you've allowed that to define you. I release you from that today. I release you from that. Will you release yourself? Will you release yourself? Because I feel God putting, is putting a key in your hand. He's putting a key in your hand. He said, you open the cell. You open the cell. You've got the keys. I'm putting the keys in your hand. You open the cell. Forgive yourself. And that will no longer define you. No longer define you. Ramote kahaba. It will no longer define you. It will no longer define you. And you will know, because you'll go to sleep tonight with such a peace over your body and over your soul and over your emotions. You'll say, I met with God, and God redefined me. God redefined me. God redefined me. I will not be defined by what's happened in the past. I will not be defined by these things. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And there's one or two people that need to forgive others. Because some people have said words that have so wounded you that you find it hard to drive past their house. You find it hard to when even somebody who has that name you meet them, you're reminded of that. And the Lord says, today, I'm lifting off that curse, but you must forgive them. In your mind, you don't have to say it out loud, just say, Lord, I, today, I, really, I will no longer be held captive by that event in my life that caused such pain, such pain. I will no longer be defined by it. So release them, just release them. Release them now, release them now. Just release them now, just release them now. There's... I can feel that, that shift happening in the atmosphere. I can feel the shift happening. Because it's a moment in God's presence. It just takes a moment in God's presence where he overshadows you. And you think, oh, I can't be the same. And many of you are having encounters now with the, with the lover of your soul. He's the lover of your soul. He's the lover of your soul. 
he's the lover of your soul. He's the lover of your soul. He loves your mind. He loves your will. He loves your emotions. He loves your body. Yeah, he does. He loves your body. Some of you don't like your bodies. Lord, he's quite fond of you. <laughs> he's quite fond of you. Oh, he's very fond of you. Thank you, Father. 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 He's loving the sons this morning and he's loving the daughters. I can feel the Lord saying, She's a girl. She's a girl. And it's setting you free because some of you have hated the fact that you're female. You're like, oh, I wish I was a boy. And maybe even that was actually spoken. And somehow your femininity has, has, has you haven't celebrated that you're a daughter of Zion, a daughter of Abraham. And the Lord says, you've got the rest of your life now to celebrate who you are, to celebrate being a woman. In this country where there's misogyny and there's all sorts of crap going on, God says, you're going to rise up like a daughter of Zion. You are going to be so free and so happy. And people are going to say, what happened to you? And you will say, I was born in Zion. I was born for freedom. I was born for freedom. I was born to sing. I was born to dance. I was born to prophesy. I was, for such a time, I was born. Can you feel the shift? Can you feel the shift? Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. His sons and daughters this morning. Receiving the commendation of God. These ones are mine. They're mine. And so the Lord is redefining who you are. And you're a son of God. You're an heir. You're a co-heir. You're being released in authority. And the things that Izzy ministered this morning about the presence of God coming through your life. From this time. From this day. You're going to find an increase of an ease. An ease to minister so naturally supernatural. You're going to find an ease to release words and songs and, and, and not no, just give people stuff because you're going to, you have received more. The Lord's giving you much today. He's giving you much. He's downloading so much into your lives. And so I bless you. As a father, I bless you. I bless you as a father. I give you the Father's blessing. <laughs> I bless you with the Father's blessing. I bless you with the Father's blessing. So earnest, my son. I'm proud of you. I watch everything you do. <laughs> Even when you mess up. Eyes <laughs> like doves. Your eyes are like doves. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Ooh, thank you, Father. There you go. There you go. There you go. I'll stop when he stops, but these are precious moments for people. Because it just takes a touch of heaven to take you into the next season. And I feel God saying, there's a season change. <laughs> there's a season change. Because when you change your name, you change the game. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Thank you for staying faithful. Thank you for staying faithful. You're beautiful in his eyes. You're so beautiful in his eyes. So beautiful. Haya bandesa tama keka tama kabisa taika. Kuba balasia mandare. Bless the daughters of Zion. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. It's never too late to have a happy childhood. God's redefining your childhood. You've let some of those things define you. <laughs> and the Lord says you're going to laugh at those schemes. Old things have passed away. Everything is made new. He's making it new. I don't know how he does it. The Lord says, you know, he restores the years the locusts have eaten. And I think he, he accelerates the current time so he makes up for lost time. He does it because he's outside of time. We think so many years were lost or this happened and we lost so much money and we lost this. How can God make it up? I have no idea, but he's God. He's big. And he's fun. And he loves us. And that's what he's doing this morning. He's activating and releasing. Activating and releasing. Thank you, Father, for redefining the sons of glory this morning. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. <laughs> Unhappy people have more fun than grumpy people. Make much better Christians. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you, Father, thank you, Father. Holy Spirit is so beautiful. It takes us exactly where we are. It gives us the exact medicine we need and at the right time. <clears throat> thank you, Father.
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Does it feel better now? Good man.